0: Shalom, and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class.
1: We're in the middle of the Amidah, the part of our petitionary prayers. I think what we're going to do today is talk about Shomei the last bracha, and then go back and do a lot of recapping. Okay? that's what i think i want to do so let's look at shomatchilot which in the sim shalom is in the middle of page 114 and in the slim is at the bottom of 40 okay so we had all these brachot for specific things we were asking for and meditating on we'll come back to that whole list of things after i promise but then the the so these are uh, originally right eighteen originally eight eighteen originally three at the beginning three at the end that leaves twelve petitionary prayers in the middle eleven plus Atfilah, which is kind of the summary one uh, re, uh, we remember we learned last week that um, contrary to um, the misconception based on a misunderstanding of the Talmud. Uh, the bracha about Minim, heretic sectarians, is not the extra 19th bracha that was added, but rather in Babylonia, uh, one bracha about rebuilding Jerusalem and restoration of Davidic kingship ended up being split into two. So that is how we got the 19th bracha. So we have 13 petitionary brachot, right? 19 minus three at the beginning, minus three at the end. 13 petitionary ones of which... They sort of neatly divide into six and six. Again, I promise we'll go over that today, the six and six. And then we have kind of this all-purpose catch-all, which is Shema Koleinu, which is not about anything specific. It's about God as hearer of prayer in general. Shema Kolenu, Hashem Alokenu, hear our prayer, Hashem our God. Chus, brachem aleinu, have mercy and compassion on us. V'kabel brachamim uvratzon et Um and accept compassionately and and positively, favor favorably our prayer. So, what is chus varache What is be compassionate and merciful? It the implication is, if you are compassionate and merciful, you will um, compassionately and favorably accept our prayer, likabel our tefillah. For you are the deity who hears prayers and supplications. So just as we said things before, like uh, in the Rofe Cholim, healing the sick, we said, we're, we're praying for these sick people, to you, because you are the God who heals the sick. Okay. Or uh, did we have any others of those? Some some of these brachot have the key, right? We pray you for this thing, for we know that you are the one who does this thing, okay? So what's the basis on which I'm, we're praying is we know that you are the God who listens favorably to prayers in your compassionness, all right? Umil afanecha, malkena al Now we had another supplication, May you not send us away empty-handed. So this very much, um, I think, um, uh, uses, plays upon sort of the image of us as subjects standing before the monarch. We're coming and we're giving our requests and we're saying, please be kind and merciful. Do not send us away empty-handed. Notice it doesn't say... And we expect you to fulfill all our prayers, or we expect you um, to say yes to all our requests. What we're saying is, please don't send us away with nothing. just want to sort of sharpen the focus on that, be clear. Okay, so we're saying, God, hear, accept our prayers, because you're merciful. Please don't send us away empty-handed. We have a second sort of uh, uh, proof in terms of God's nature. For you are the one who hears your people's Israel, Israel's prayer compassionately. You are a compassionate prayer listener. The Sephardi Sidur, by the way, I can't say I've looked at every single Sephardi Sidur. So I can't say I looked at, you know. Sephardi and Moroccan and Yemenite and every single one to bear this out. But in general, the Sephardi Sidor does not say Tfilat Amcha Yisrael. It says Tfilat Kol Peh, the prayer of every mouth. Right. Um, So rather than the Ashkenazi version, which says God listens to Jewish prayers, that's essentially what it says. The Sephardi version says God listens to all prayers. So if you want to make up your own combined Nusaf, which is not necessarily halakhically valid the way the halakhic system works, but but is what I do, um I say Kiatashumiat filat kol pe because I don't like that ethnocentrism and eth- ethnocentrism, centricism, not sure what that word is, how to say that. Okay. So basically we're saying we're not in this bracha, I suppose, well, the other bracha where we ask for very specific things, protection, sustenance, support the good guys, tear down the bad guys, rebuild Jerusalem. There is actually nothing specific in this prayer. All right. It just says, God, we, we put all these prayers, supplications, requests before you. Um, his, therefore, please hear our prayers compassionately because we know that you are a compassionate prayer hearer. Um, excuse me. Okay. We know that you are a compassionate prayer hearer and do not send us away empty-handed for you hear everyone's prayer, either prayer of all Jews or prayer of all mouths. Baruch HaTah Hashem. Shomeya. Fila who hears prayer. Again, I want to point out, it doesn't necessarily mean or imply who grants prayer or who responds to prayer. It's Shomeya Tfila, who hears prayer. Um, so this raises... Uh, now, uh, one more thing I just want to say, uh, sort of a technical literary matter before we get to the conceptual... Um, if there's anything that you need to add, personal prayer that you didn't add, this is where you do it. You do it where you see. Um, in the slim shalom, we have on Yom Hashoah add this prayer. In the sim shalom, we don't have it, but where you would add it is after the words "Rekam al Teshivenu," right before "Ki Atas Am el so any additional personal prayers you have, you should add there, by the way. So what this means is there are some, for example, there are some mornings when I am on autopilot and I forget to add my personal Mishab list in my Rifa Anu prayer. If that happens, I will add it at this point, assuming I am not so much on autopilot that I forget to add it at this point. OK, but that's a point for pausing and thinking. Did my 12 supplicatory brachot cover everything? Is there anything additional that um, is not covered in the 12? Is there something I should have mentioned in the 12 that's personal that I forgot to? This is my moment to do that. By the way, there's one more moment to do that. What is the one more moment to do that in the Amida? Anyone can shout it out. Hello, oh, hi. Hello, hi, Nator, which is an example of a personal prayer. Uh, that a rabbi in the Talmud used to say. Uh, maybe we'll look at that passage again. We looked at it a few years ago, the passage at Brachot, where it says, Rabbi so-and-so, when he was finished with his Amida, used to say this, and Rabbi so-and-so used to say that. Rabbi so-and-so used to say that. And there are like 10 of them, of which one of them is Netzor, meaning Netzor is the slot for personal prayer and supplication. So actually, you can add, you are encouraged to add personal prayers anywhere in the 12 petitionary prayers where it fits, or right before Ki Ata filat Kol Peh, the next to the last line, or the, the last line before Baruch HaTashem, before the Khatimah, in Shomei Filat, or in Eloheinitzur. There are mornings when I add my Mishaberach for Cholim um, in Eloheinitzur, and then there are days like today where I was rushing to catch up, to teach in time, and I didn't have time to do that, so I said, okay, when I say mincha, then I'm going to add my Mishabera for holy Personally, I add them once. Uh, I try to, I aim to daven three times a day. I don't, certainly don't always make that, but I'll try to add my holy list um, at least once of those three Amidas, but probably not more than once, just because of time. So we have three opportunities to add your own personal petitionary prayers. This is the second one, okay? Now, um, so this bracha raises all kinds of theological questions, which are implied by all of the rest. I mean, if you weren't wondering up until now, does God hear prayer? and Does God answer prayer? And what does that mean? Certainly this paragraph, this bracha, really raises that question front and center. Um, I read somewhere, but I can't track down the source, that the reason we say something like, we call God shomayat filah, rather than saying, uhshofiu here or tfilati, hear our prayer at the end rather God hears prayer um is because it's it's intentionally at the end not too personal because uh I read an interpretation once somewhere that people pray for conflicting things you know it's like if you make money in the stock market. Someone else loses money in the stock market, right? If I'm thinking about God supporting the good guys, and I'm thinking of my friend, Rav Arik Asherman in Israel, who goes out with the Bedouin shepherds to defend them against the settlers, trying to kick them off their traditional grazing lands. Surely there is someone else somewhere in the world who is at that same moment praying on behalf of those Jewish settlers who are reclaiming their historic land of Israel uh, and trying to defend it against Bedouin shepherds who have no reason being no right to be there in their view. So Hashem is the one who has to hear those conflicting prayers and sort it out. That's why we don't say it's Hashem, you hear all the prayers, and it's up to you to sort out these conflicting prayers, right? Because I, if I Double, you know, if I expand my business and take over the storefront next door, then someone else goes out of business, right? So we have the the way the world is, is people are, you know, it's not always a a zero-sum game, but some things are a zero-sum game, okay? And uh, it all gets sorted out at a, a level, as we say, above our pay grade, okay? So it's Hashem's role to just sort out all those conflicting prayers, Um, but that's still, uh, there's still the question of, you know, what does that mean that God hears prayer? How do we understand this theologically? I've said this before. This is not a theology class. We don't have time to do that. You should have gone to, uh, um, um, uh, Rabbi Rembounds, you know, what is God theology class last year? I assume he'll do it again, but in brief, in very brief, you know we all have some idea um, articulated or semi articulate or totally inarticulate of uh, what forces are beyond us in the universe, and do we have access to them so in a more in a traditional jewish by when I say traditional i mean biblical and rabbinic concept of God, Hashem is a being or personality who hears prayer and voluntarily decides to grant the petition or not grant the petition. Um, In Rambam's Maimonides concept, as I understand it, God is not a personality or being. God is pure intelligence outside of the universe, whatever that means. Um, And, is uh, pure intelligence and has full free will, and also decides to grant or not grant petition. Although Maimonides probably wouldn't use the word decide if he were around today, because he would say decide is something that happens in the human brain, and the human brain is nothing like God's pure intelligence. We can't understand anything about it. Or if you have the view of some of the Kabbalistic and Hasidic thinkers of pan that God is the totality of flow of energy in the universe. In other words, the universe um, is the body of God. The universe is the body. God is the soul very early in the morning. We're not in a dorm room. We haven't smoked any cannabis yet today. Most of us. So it's like, what does that mean? Okay. But, but, but you know, kind of that is a theory in, um, you know, of a large strain of Kabbalah and Hasidut. Um, so if that's your view of God, that God is the totality of the flow of energy that constitutes the universe, then what does it mean to hear prayer or grant prayer? Okay, so I just want to throw all those questions out there. We do not have time in this class to discuss them or solve them, right? Um uh you know if anyone wants suggestions you can email me abrahamhavivi at gmail.com and I can s- suggest to you books you can read on theology, on comparative theology. But it certainly all raises the question of what does it mean when we say God? What does it mean when we say God? What does it mean when we say God hears prayer? And how does, does or does not God answer prayer? So I just want to throw all those questions up there that we will not answer or solve, but clearly those questions are essential. Okay. And of course, lots of Jews just say their theology is, oh, I never think about any of that. I just dovin, which is also fine with me. If your theology is, I never thought about that and it doesn't interest me that much. Uh, I just do what I do. That's perfectly acceptable also. So uh, uh, although I would argue that that person probably has an unarticulated theology if we had a conversation about it, but perfectly fine to have an unarticulated theology the same way. If we said, why do you love your spouse? If you love your, if you have a spouse and you love a spouse, you'll say, I don't know. I just do. Right. So that's perfectly okay. Not to have, uh justifications for what one does or believes in this case um i'm going to pause on that note i'm going to see if anyone has something they really want to say or ask and then i'm going to go back over the arc of the 12 petitionary brachot. um i can't see anyone raising their hand so just like shout it out if you want to talk you don't have to
2: obviously it's barbara hi barbara Hi, when when we do the Rafaenu um, in in the Shemona uh, Esray, why do we need to do Mishabereks for the for um, the for the ill when it's being red redone, redone resaid out loud?
1: Okay, so we don't need to. Um, it's just an opportunity to again. Uh, we are encouraged to add any personal prayer in the Amida that we want to. So. You might say a person might say, on Monday and Thursday, when I'm going to get to same say the name aloud, I am not going to do my own mishaberach for cholim in my rifainu, but on the other four weekday days of the week, I will. One could say that, or one could say, well, I still like having my own moment because, for example, when I do my rifainu personally and I add a mishberach list. I actually think for, you know, a second or some fragment of a second or something of the people on my list. And I don't necessarily have the opportunity to do that when I'm standing in front of the Gabai and I feel like the pressure's on. I got to get through my list and not forget anybody because I didn't put it in my phone like he does. Right. So you don't have to, and you don't have to add Refainu. You don't have to add a mishavirik list and rufayinu period. It's just a, it's an optional thing, as is adding anything individual in any of these prayers is an optional thing.
2: But but that... Avi, why why do we bother going through the, everybody saying uh, you know the, the, their name during a barracks when we really can just do it here? Or we're really saying it here when we do the rufayin. Right.
1: Okay. So. Uh, th- that's a different question because you asked it one way and now you're asking it the other way. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. No, if if no, no, that's okay. That's good. You asked two different questions. The other way is, why do we do Mishabara for Holy publicly at all? So there's a couple of answers to that. One is, um, I'll give you two. The sociological one is traditionally in synagogues, this is the way of announcing who is sick. All right. So you go and say a Mishabara for someone, Someone comes over to you and saying, Oh, who is that for? Or you hear someone saying, you say, like, oh, I didn't realize that. Or she's on the, she's still on the list. I haven't visited her in a while. The, that sort of thing. So there's a sociological function to the Mishabarak for the public recitation. Uh social sociological community, I mean community building. Um second reason is um lots of people don't add their own individual petitionary prayers in the Amidah. Probably most people don't, okay? Most daily daveners don't. Um, and third of all, we believe this is just sort of one of the, I don't know, don't, don't ask me where it's exactly written. I'll have to think about that. But we, we believe that somehow the prayer of people davening together is more powerful than the prayer of the individual, Right, so communal prayers are somehow more have a greater power to them. That's why we have the chazan say the Amidah aloud, all sorts of things. Right, so that is our communal coming together, saying we're praying for the cholim of you know ba kihila hazot in this sacred community. Yeah, Michael, you have another reason.
2: Yeah, I had always thought that uh, there, there was some. Theory, I suppose that that the prayer would have more power when said in in, in the presence of the Torah out of the Ark. Oh, that's okay. why I thought it was being done that way.
1: Okay, reason number four: Torah power. Okay, I just wanted to
0: broaden out your comment about like the communal power of prayer, and I think yes, it's working... Joanna. Uh
1: huh.
0: Yes, I'm just saying your name uh, so, I, that, yes. so
1: that people out there in no cyberspace know that Joanna's talking. Yes, Sorry. Joanna, go
0: on. Um. Like, particularly when we're talking about like tourists, like if you think about, for example, like anyone can recite a psalm to themselves any day, any time that they want. Why do we bother in times of tourists during Shir Hamalot out loud together as a community? Because somehow it feels like there's power in that. Um, You know, heightened for me during the pandemic, um, and I'm sure, you know, and I think for others also, was finding opportunities to say the traditional Mourner's Kaddish in some way, in some communal fashion. Because there's power in moments of service in standing together as a community.
1: Yes. Thank you, Joanna. Totally agreed. So, Barbara, we have a variety of answers. Right. Right. Um, Can
2: I go back to the issue that you raised,
1: Larry? You got to turn off one of your things. So we get your feedback about completing. Um, Fuck, Larry. It's hard to hear you. We'll come back to you, Larry. When you're back, just holla. Other thoughts. I comments?
2: can't see hands there. Anyways. Oh, he's uh, back. just say what I'm yeah. going to say. Oh, now I'm back. Anyways, yes. Briefly, um, trivially. It always struck me as peculiar when you'd see in a movie or television show, a clergyman uh, stand amongst a group of athletes and ask God for for them to win, because that's exactly what you were talking about. Their winning right, was the other's. Exactly that was good. Yeah. And, and that always struck me as being completely an invalid way to pray. I, I know I'm making my own judgment. Uh-huh. And, to some, and to some extent, I would even argue that one should formulate one's requests in a way that that are not zero sum, but then mm-hmm. we also pray for victory, and we actually pray for victories in conflicts and wars. Mm-hmm. And some of the versions of our prayer for the state of Israel basically says, I "and mean, we we should smotch our our enemies." Mm-hmm. I'm yes. not asking you to comment on it. I'm just saying it's an interesting aspect of the um, of, of prayer and the philosophy one has about about prayer.
1: Yes. So that first explanation that I said of Law has some awareness that I'm going to I'm going to comment on what you said, that it, some awareness that it's very easy to have a self-centeredness in our prayers that um, might not be justifiable. OK, so a moment of awareness of. God, yes, I prayed for all the things I want, including for my including maybe for my team to win, but Hashem hears all the prayers and sorts it out. Okay. Um okay. Any other thoughts, comments? Joanna again. Yes.
0: One one question. Um so we've been talking about um inserting personal requests in the context of you know the amida at the appropriate times huh? um, and if i have it right basically the time to do that is during the middle portion of the Amidah or at the very end but not to interrupt the first three or last
1: three brachot with requests so, p- correct pause for a moment so we'll talk about that again um, when we get to the last three brachot, but in general, the halachic guideline is that the wording of the first three brachot and the last three brachot is fixed and you don't change it, okay? And in the intermediate brachot, there was a lot of fluidity about the wording. The halachic guideline is that you may add whatever you want appropriate to each brachah, but you're not supposed to change the chatima, so you don't change Baruch Hashem rofeh cholei Amo Yisrael to Baruch Hashem rofeh cholei kol ha'olah. Right? now, that that's the traditional halachic guideline. Um, in 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 sederim and non halachic movements, right, say Reconstructionist and Reform, they certainly do sometimes change the chatima. And we also look that if you look at Ashkenazi Sidorim and Sephardi Sidorim and Mizrahi Sidorim, sometimes the Khatimah isn't worded the same. But the general halachic guideline is you, the individual, are not supposed to change the Khatimah of any of them. And you don't change any of the wording of the first three or the last three. But the middle petitionary ones, you can add whatever you want. Now go on, Joanna.
0: Okay, so two things. Before I go to where I where I want to go, just to reflect back on what you said, it's interesting now your comment about where you change shma um, Kolenu from um, the particular to the universal, and like, for yeah. example, not doing it um, in a bracha that has a particular katima and saying, oh, let's change that to the universal. But,
1: yes, but let me just interrupt you for a second. Um, I personally, I'm not not a posaic or halakhic decisive for anyone. Personally, I do that and feel comfortable doing it because I get away with it because I'm half Sephardi. So the fact that there is already Mm -hmm. a Sephardi version that says Tfilat Kol Peh, I feel like, oh, okay. I didn't make that up. I saw that in a sudor and it stuck with me. Right. Go on. As As opposed to I didn't like something and so I rewrote it. Yes.
0: So I think in the way that you just sort of um, um, paused me during my question and your explanation, you may have have answered the question I'm about to ask, but I'll say it anyway and you can confirm. So let's say like, for example, in the Modine paragraph, not asking a not making a request of Bakasha, but adding your own personal thanks. You have, you know, there's something that's happened in your life that you have a moment of gratitude for. While we're, you know, in the mode of gratitude, can you add things, you know, in the beginning and end that are not
1: Bakasha? It's a, it's an interesting question. It's a great thought. It's a great impulse. The halakhic answer, I believe, is no. The halakhic answer is, First three brachot, last three brachot, you do not change the wording. You can't change the wording. That is my understanding of traditional halacha, right? So, whereas it's perfectly logical what you're saying, say, like, oh, if in my petitions I can add something personal, then how come in my thank yous I'm not encouraged to add something personal? My gratitudes, I'm not encouraged to add something personal. So, the answer, it's a good question. Halachically, you don't. Um, I suppose if I really wanted to, I would try to add them in the petitionary prayers. Like I might say for sus- in the bracha for sustenance, uh, I would say um, at, you know and thank you know and and I'm thank you that my kid got that job, right? I put that in the bracha for sustenance if there was some gratitude which was personal. But you're making a good point, but the halakha does not support the logic. Uh, uh, the logical outcome of what you're suggesting. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying the traditional halacha does not support the logic uh, logical outcome of what you're suggesting. Does that answer the question? Yes, Sorry. got it, I, thank you. I, I hate to say it, the halakhic answer is no, right? But the halakhic answer is the middle portion is more fluid, first three and last three are always fixed. By the way, that partly is also emerges from and is and is reflected in the middle part of the Amidah is the part that changes right so shabbos it's different and rosh hashanah it's different and festivals it's different and musaf is different than shahri but in general other than the switch of sim shalom to shalom rav right um the first three brachot and the last three brachot are are just seen as those are fixed you could argue i i don't know that there's any evidence for what I'm saying, I'll go a little further. I believe there is no evidence from what I'm saying, but this might suggest, okay, might suggest that the first three brachot and the last three brachot were fixed earlier, earlier historically, right? And maybe it was like, we have these first three brachot, we have these last three brachot, and in the middle, you're supposed to ask whatever you need, okay, in various categories. And then remember what we read. Then Rabban Gamliel in the year 90, 100-ish, I always round over to the nearest 50, right? the year 100 at Yavna said, okay, uh, it's it's a balagan out there. I'm going to fix. These are the 18, okay? He fixed the petitionary prayers. That seems to be the implication that maybe they weren't fully fixed beforehand. So in general, things that are less changing, commonly are things that are earlier historically that's not always the rule but it's frequently the rule so maybe the halacha just reflects that the (laughs) first three and the last three were fixed earlier and the middle wars fluid that's just a hypothetical on my part there's no i have no evidence for that okay i think i'd like to wrap up for today so what i wanted to get to today but we didn't is um uh over What we'll, we'll try to do next time is overview, the, we're going to go over the order again, just sort of how they hang together, the 12 petitionary brachot, and maybe next week or the week after we'll look at the abridged version called Havinenu that the Talmud says you can say if you don't have time, or if it's you're traveling, or if it's an emergency because it's a persecution, so various interpretations of sha'at hadcha, which means time of pressure or oppression or something like that, and you simply don't have time to say your whole 13 in the middle, Uh, how do you abridge your Amida? So we'll look at the topics and we'll look at how they're abridged in the next week and or maybe two. Okay, so everyone have a good day, stay healthy, be Torah.